All right, everybody, welcome to the Deal Gen Podcast, where we talk to investors, entrepreneurs, and business titans about a wide range of topics and experiences. The Deal Gen Podcast is brought to you by Deal Gen Partners. Deal Gen Partners is the leading deal origination service on the market for private equity buyers. Deal Gen Partners combines their M&A and private equity experience with a proprietary method of multi-channel marketing services that they call the Bird Dog. This unique recipe generates transaction-ready deals at an unmatched pace and increases a private equity fund's chances of closing a deal by up to 10x. Reach out to DealGen Partners before you begin searching for your next investment. All right, everybody. On today's episode of the DealGen Podcast, I had Gary Jinks of South Valley Angels as well as Scale Upstream. Uh, Gary is a is a is an awesome guy um he came on the show and you know brought a lot of energy um a lot of passion when he's when it comes to talking about the world of startups and angel investing and he takes a you know kind of a beautiful very new approach to how he looks at you know not only how a a startup that's that's getting ready to launch in the world but the future of even that entire process and where you know angel investing and vc investing is going in the future um, and then he's building his whole business around, you know, not solving problems for today, but solving problems for where, you know, where the world's going to be um, in the future. And, you know, just listening to him talk about um, not only the businesses he's working on, but questions that he'd ask uh, any startup founder when they're looking to raise money um, as if he were an investor was just very insightful. And I think, you know, there's a lot to take out of this episode. So really hope you guys enjoy. And um, yeah, Gary Jinks. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stump you no. Um, but this is great. So, I mean, look, my first question would be, obviously you work in, you know, the, the startup world, the angel world, um, and headquartered in San Fran, right? Yeah. I'm actually here in South of San Francisco in a town called Morgan Hill. It's about 15 miles South of San Jose. So Wait. from here to our Palo Alto office is 40 miles one way. Gotcha. Gotcha. And were you from there originally? Did you move there because you wanted to be a part oh, of no, that kind almost of nobody's from here originally. <laughs> Yeah. No, I like actually that. got here via the army. I got stationed at Fort Ord, Monterey. Oh, so I gotcha. came from, wow. from two years in Germany to uh, Fort Ord. That's how I ended up in California. Gotcha. Gotcha. And when was that? That was that was 1980. Okay. Um, and then I got out of the army in 81 and a buddy I knew from Idaho where I grew up, uh, lived in San Jose, said, hey, you can come hang out here until you get your feet on the ground. So I said, sure. I moved up there. Next day I went to the unemployment office to Start drawing unemployment, give a month or so to figure out what I want to do, and ended up hired by the next afternoon. Got it. Got it. Very cool. Very cool. So talk to me about how you started to work with with startups. You know, what was the um the attraction to that? Did you were you a startup founder yourself? Do you want the short version or a little longer version? Um, let's do, you know, you whatever you the want. The longer whatever version you. kind of starts from what we just were. Sure. So when I got hired the next day, I got hired by a defense contractor. Yep. And I discovered there that I liked the aspect of innovation. Yep. And so I got a fortunate opportunity to get a job in a uh, in research and development. And so I ran systems engineering and so forth for 18 years. And we developed from napkin to build probably 20 combat vehicles. Wow. 
So I learned how to take an idea and build it over and over again with really expensive, complicated stuff. Plus, we got to go out and drive it and shoot it. And come on, who doesn't want to do that? You know. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that, that rules. But uh, then I kind of capped out a little bit. And I was looking for something new. And in the Silicon Valley, things were happening in this whole startup world. That was the beginning of the dot com. So I had an opportunity to uh, um, engineer my own layoff. Because I was in a job cluster of one. Wow. And so I knew how the company worked. I did it. Sure enough, got everything lined up. Oh, they had to lay me off. So I got a year's salary to leave. Mm-hmm. And I did. And uh, went and rode roller coasters for a summer and then went into a startup during the beginning of the dot com. And then within two years, that crashed. And then I got picked up by never, another defense contractor in the aerospace market. And then that turned out for real good. That got me to GLJ Group, still doing innovation for corporate. Then I launched South Valley Angels in 2011 to fund innovation. And then we launched Scale of Stream last summer for that innovation to be discovered. So I got into this because the company, as we're aerospace company, we were very successful. We uh, went from zero to about 18 million a year in three years. And they thought, what a great job. Let's, let's take care of you. Gary Corner office, private parking spot. What do you think? I'm going, well, okay, nothing personal. Let's see. San Jose, California, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Wow. <laughs> I just don't see that happening. So that's when I launched GLJ Group at the end of 2004, brought corporate innovation to market. Um, then we, uh, last contract I was on, finished in 2009, and that was building trucks that don't blow up to roadside bombs. Um, and so I got done with that. Corporate didn't want to hire anybody anymore. Their economy was going sideways. So I said, hey, I'm the Silicon Valley. Let's do startups. Yep. So in 2010, that's where I got into startups. That's what got me here. And I've worked with well over a thousand startups launched them in multiple countries. That's incredible. It's a great, I mean, it's a great story. And I, um, appreciate you walking us through, well, I appreciate you walking us through the journey. Cause, um, you know, it, it paints a good picture now, you know, you work, you, so you mentioned you work with over a thousand startups. So, you know, at one point in my career, I was a 24 year old, you know, kind of inspiring entrepreneur who, um, you know, had a, had a dream, had a vision. I'm sure you kind of bump into uh, a similar profile from time to time with what you do. But let's kind of start there. I mean, if me and you sat down for the first time, you know, what's some of the stuff that you'd you'd want to talk about? Okay, okay. So let's say we're talking about. I'm coming. Uh, I'm wearing an investor hat. Fair enough. Is that sure. what you want me to wear? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's wear that hat. So, so I'm an investor hat. I'm an investor hat. Well, I want to learn a little bit more about you. Um, so we're gonna sit down and talk. You're an owner. I'm gonna assume you have an idea, or we wouldn't be talking. Right. Right. For sure. You know, hey, okay, so so the first thing I, I want to know is first thing I'm gonna want to know is tell me tell me your vision. How do you see the future? Where 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 is the market space going that you're in? Yep. Yep. Do you so want that's to- the first thing I want to know. Okay. Yeah, sure. No, I mean that makes sense. Yep. And then um and then let's say, you know, the the that that picture's painted pretty well. Um I mean it's for me, I look at, you know, startups sometimes and it's one of those things where I don't, I don't do a lot in the space. Um, but you know, specifically around the idea that this is an inexperienced entrepreneur, you know, um, and I was, you know, when I first started, I mean, I feel like now at this point in my career, it's only been about seven years since then, but, um, you know, the experience that I've learned along that journey has been probably the most rewarding piece of it. Right. Um, you've gained a lot, but for someone with no experience running a company, um, yeah. where else would you kind of, you know, want to get to know before making an investment, wearing the investor hat? Okay. So, so let's go and start there. And you're absolutely right. There's no, no experience like experience. Right. 
you know, and allows you to get through. When you first start a business, you've got, you're in actually a sense of fog to a degree. Mm-hmm. You may think you have a clarity, but as things start stacking up, you find out it doesn't. So the reason I asked you about your vision is because if, if you're truly an entrepreneur and not just looking for a job, then everything you're doing would be driven by your vision right? and where you think things are going, not driven by a problem. Who, who cares what the problem is right now? You'll figure out the right problem at some point in time. But if you start by putting your head down and saying, what's the problem? Then by default, you're looking at today's problem almost inherently, and you're going to solve today's customer problems, which means you're already old. You're designing an old product. So really what you need to be looking at, and this is missing. So here's really what's shifted from the 70s to now. In the early days, the entrepreneurs were truly entrepreneurs. They were visionary. They saw their, their path. They saw the future with the clarity that most of us don't. Yep. There were no exits. There was no turns in the road. They knew exactly where we were and exactly where we were going. And they had an idea of what kind of things needed to be there to do what that was going to look like. They didn't have an MVP. Sure. You know, they yep. had a vision and they got funding for that vision because everybody said, wow, I believe you can do that. And you cl- you have a clarity. Let's just go do that. Yep. Now you, you just map your track down that visionary pathway and everybody's good. Today, more entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs become a career field now. It's, it's, it's become a consumer product. Everybody wants to do one of two things. They want to be an influencer or they want to launch a startup. Yep. Okay. So anyway, there you go. That's the new world of today. So everyone wants to launch a startup. The problem is most of them aren't that visionary. So they put their head down. They say, cause everybody knows you have to be solving the problem, right? Sure. If you're not solving a problem, how can I invest in you? Well, what if I told you, you can make more money solving a desire than you could a problem. People take problems to their death. Yeah. If I have a desire to have something, I will figure out a way to spend money and buy it. I'll get that. I'll get whatever that is. I'll figure it out. Fair enough. Okay. That's a different topic, different answer. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, the point is, is it's the visionary piece of that that drives it, not the problem. And so that's where I think the, the, the models got off. So if you have a vision, we see a future and the future of the automobile is going to be electric. And because of that, we see us in this sandbox, which is the electric vehicle market, which is a gazillion dollars because of all these trends that are going on regulation, yada, yada. In fact, if you don't, if you don't get out of the way, you're going to get ran over by electric vehicle movement. Right. So anyway, and that's why we've chose two vertical markets, batteries and charging station, because every electric vehicle has to have them. Now the problems we have to be solving since we have to be solving a problem, the problem we have to be solving is in order to capture the market for the battery, I absolutely have to build a better battery. They don't want a lighter battery. They don't want a smaller battery. They want a thousand mile battery. As soon as somebody hits a thousand miles, now you can get lighter. Now you can get cheaper. Now you can get smaller or whatever comes to that point. Okay. So, but in the charging station, I don't have to be the, build the best one if I can put it in every corner and every garage. So there you go. So that's, that's more of addition of, like Oh, it. by the way, I'm solving a problem. People don't like to stand in line. Yep. Anyway, yeah, I mean, so that's, no, I mean, it's, um, it's a great answer. You know, it really is because I do think a lot of people, you know, start their journey with just trying to solve a problem today, you know, solve a problem that maybe is in their life or they saw when they were oh, it's at there. The problem is there. Right. The problem is there and the collaborators are always there. Mm-hmm. But as, a, as an entrepreneur, keep in mind, there's two things that drive decision one, two tribal standards that have been with us forever. And you have to answer those questions. One, are you 10 times better than what's out there today? If you have AI, you're, you're going to be 10 times better than what's out there today. Yep. You just are. 
Okay, it's a nice place to be in. If you're in the software world and you've got AI or can incorporate robotics into what you're doing or some sort of IoT, boom, you're going to be 10 times better than what's out there, period. Yep. So you check that box. Can you rapidly get to $100 million? If those are both yes, then you fit the model perfect still like you always have. So those things. So we just have, you just take just one bullet on, on, on one chart that says we're 10 times better than what's out there today. And we can come back tomorrow and tell you why. Got it. Got it. I, I like your I mean, way not, if, I, if you're really novel enough, I probably won't understand it well enough. I don't probably know your market and you're deep enough. I understand your square peg and you fit my square hole. That's a good fit. Yep. Beyond that, I probably don't know the details to really determine whether your big screen TV is better than your competitor's big screen TV. Sure. Sure. No, I get it. I get it. I, I like the, um, the analysis and the way, you know, that you're approaching this. Um, so talk to me about, you know, scale upstream. Cause this, is this, what we're talking about right now, similar to what you guys, uh, you know, kind of or where some of these ideologies that you're talking to me about right now, um, maybe came from, from that business scale upstream. Yeah, I think actually that that's what fed scale upstream. So we started rolling out our model, which we call startup 3.0. Yep. A quick one, 1.0. That's the Silicon Valley. We all know it here in the Valley. You stand on Sandhill road with a sign that says I'm awesome. Pick me. <laughs> and the right. VCs all look across the street and say, hey, we like you. Come talk. Oh, swipe left, swipe right. No, nope, no, nope, not here today. Anyway, that's 1.0. It's with us. It's not going to be going. 2.0 is when it became commercialized. Everybody in the world had come to the Silicon Valley and went home and started building incubators and accelerators. Mm -hmm. That's how we got started internationally by fixing those incubators and accelerators. Got it. Got it. <laughs> and, then, and then the other thing that happened is that things like AngelList came on board, which actually for the first time ever made investors kind of sort of accessible to to the entrepreneurs. And that's when entrepreneur became a career. Everybody, so 3.0, we call precision innovation. And that is now driven by the startup. That startup has to take control and they can do it. So for example, today, if I, I can't go to Y Combinator or plug and play and say, hey, I want to start a program. I want to start an incubator program. Can I start tomorrow? No, we have we have the, uh, you know, the uh, the spring session is kicking off in April and you can, you, you can apply until April 1, okay? On scale stream, the model is I should be able to come in today and say, I want to start an incubator program tomorrow. Great. Here's three of them right here. Here's one for $750. It's yours. One-on-one, -on -one, sign up, swipe card, and now you're going to go through a multi-week program tailored to you one-on-one -on -one with, with somebody who knows what they're doing. Wow. So that's one of the things. That, so scale of stream, it, it, ha it has to be accessible. It's about making innovation accessible. Got it. Got it. And now, uh, you know, is it, is it basically one of those things where it's looking to replace? Because, again, if you talk about tradition, right, we talked about how traditional businesses maybe had a different point of view than they do, you know, current businesses do. Um, well, you know, tradition would say uh, most entrepreneurs when they're rather than, you know, they'll either go start a business um, on their own based on their background and what they know, or they'll go to a traditional business school. Um, get an MBA of some sorts and then, you know, kind of follow their path from there. Um, what is the, what is the difference between, I guess, what scale upstream is doing and then, you know, traditional business school or another incubator? Sure. Sure. Uh, fundamentally, we're all doing the same thing. Sure. Okay. We're all, we're all doing the same things. The idea is to extend it. So that again, on this road of evolution, in startup 3.0, there's a focus. The focus isn't on the investors. The investors are purely enabler. Mm -hmm. We provide the startup in charge. So the biggest one is as a startup, you can do what you want at your schedule, on your budget, however you want to do it. 
So Scale Upstream always has a free session layer to it because if it's not, it's not truly accessible to the world. Fair enough. Got it. So there always has to be a free session. You can come every Monday night. Anybody in the world can pitch to a Silicon Valley investor. And they can do that every other Thursday in most cases. Got it. No, you can't do that in Y Combinator. I can guarantee yeah. that. I worked with them. Anyway, so anyhow, so, so you can do that every Monday. Virtually every Monday of this. So anyway, so there's that aspect there. So there there's, has to be a free level. Now, the problem of free is the longer you stay in free, the more likely you're not going to be successful. Yep. At some point in time, you really have to start spending money smartly and do and, and, and working with the right resources, people, and things that can move you along. Now, about the education piece of that. So, so that's what it's about. You're in charge. You can do one of two things. Stanford can be on our program, on our platform, and you can go to Stanford and take their program and just use this like any other thing. So join the Stanford program. Now you're in the Stanford program. You sign it. You get your degree. Or you can go through a program of... Um, lesser universities that are focused, or you can go through programs of service providers that can give you the same thing. The idea is an entrepreneur isn't looking to graduate with a degree. They're looking to graduate with a product and, and life skills. If you can deliver life skills and, and a product to them, that's what entrepreneurs want. Entrepreneurs that are young have to learn life skills. They're young. You got to learn. You, you get, you got to learn. You can't just wake up and go, can I skip this part and go to where I'm awesome? You know, <laughs> right, if that was, right. I, we'd all be learned, we'd all be playing guitars in front of a crowd of a hundred thousand, right? Anyway, <laughs> right. uh, so you've got to go through it. You need to learn these life skills. We believe those are necessary because most uh, entrepreneurs, only 30% actually get a, uh, a bachelor's degree or better. Less, less than, you know, so that, you know, so that has to come as part of that. So that's where the education comes from is the ability to come out at the end of your education with a product. Um, so scale of stream is different where everybody on the platform is here for one reason. That's innovation to either launch it, join it, help it, fund it, start it, copy it. Whatever the case may be, they're here for innovation. They're either here to buy it, all those kind of things. So there's an education piece of that that's developing on scale stream. Keep in mind, it only rolled out in June. Yep. So it's, we've got 4,000 startups. We're in 20 countries. And so depending where you're at, you can always get funded easier where you're at. So yep. all of our incubators and accelerators have addresses. So if you want to talk to somebody and they're in Africa, we can say, oh, we'll talk to Usai. He's in Nigeria. Here's his address. And he goes, oh, I know where that's at. Now you're real. You're legitimate. Because right. the investors and the people in the ecosystem we're building on scale upstream falls in two categories. The original 1.0, I had to go to Sand Hill Road and, and hope they let me come in. Right? Yep. I yep. had to go to an investor community and get let in and, and do it. Or I had to apply with 25,000 people to Y Combinator, 500 startups, plug and play. And those are all legitimate. They're not going anywhere. They are the industries. However... What I want to be able to do is do it on my own schedule at my own time with the people I want and be there. So there's a combination right. of hybrid and online. So the online allows you to connect with the people for everybody to do things on a global scale and then funnel those either to the physical locations or into the spots where they need to be. Now, needless to say, we're the Silicon Valley ecosystem because we're in the Silicon Valley. So we all have at Palo Alto. We're connected. With our, we've worked with everybody in the Valley. We all know each other. Sure. So, 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 but we have, all these other countries have exactly the same thing. So our investors don't want to be in the pal uh, up on the hill. Like, you know, although it's nice to sit on the hill and swipe left and right. Right. Um, you know, that's, that doesn't work for the big picture. It doesn't, that doesn't feed the demand for uh, innovation, which is out there by corporate. So to feed that, we have to have a different model and that's where this fits in, which allows the startup to fill it out and for the, the people to play in, in the, in the marketplace in a real time engagement matter. Um, and that's, and that's what's going to make this change is the ability to do that through videos and to meet with people online. 
in a hybrid model. Online, you can meet them. If need be, you can meet them at an address, shake hands, and sign the deal. That's great. That's great. It's really cool. I mean, I love, you know, it's probably the innovation too is just that it's introducing people, you know, who maybe didn't know. Like you said, anybody can Google, you know, top five VCs in Silicon Valley or Boston, where I'm from, and, you know, try to go knock on the door. But, you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, good luck. They're swiping left and right from, you know, the mountaintops. Um, the, the fact that it's introducing, you know, new investors to new entrepreneurs who didn't even know each other existed. And now they're, you know, um, they're getting to meet each other, getting to know each other. They're, you know, uh, who knows? I mean, there could be a guy up the street from where I am right now that is looking to invest some money into a company and he has a lot of experience and I might never even meet him because there's no, there's no platform for me, for us to interact until now. Well, I can still do angel list. If they're on angel list, I could meet them, but it's a different place. The angel list, you load up your stuff. The investor looks at it, likes it, emails you and they respond to you. In this case, it's not the case. You come on scale up stream and say, I want to reach out to investor. You find an investor. I walked him. You click the button says, ask to pitch, you pitch. What they've done is they've uploaded their questions, which they've established their questions. They've established their scoring criteria. They've established their weights and importance for those questions. A thousand startups can, can come to me a day on South Valley Angels and pitch. When you're done pitching and answering those questions, you'll have a score. You know how you scored on every question. You'll know how you scored overall with them. And it may be obvious that you're really not ready for that investor because you can see why. Oh, well, they require, obviously, I, I, I failed revenue because obviously the answer is yes. And mine was no. So great. If I have revenue, I know not to come back and talk to them again. You didn't embarrass yourself in front of the investor because you probably you may have scored poorly, but we're not going to look at you. If you're an F, we're not going to waste our time. We're not going to look at you. Sure. So you didn't embarrass yourself. Now, later when you have good answers, you may come back and now you know what you're doing. Now you've scored an A. Now I click a button, you accept, and we're in a meeting. Um, wow. and, and, and so that's the way that works. It allows me as an investor to weed through the thousands of emails in the hamburger stage, but get to know you over time because I'm also probably doing events. Like come pitch to me. I can, you can come in and pitch practice. Listen, we, you know, and we get to know you. So that's where it all builds in real time. That's where the difference is between just being online and what's out there today, where we're dealing through emails and dealing in an environment video where I can see you and then I can see where you're at and say, Oh, well, you're right here. Go talk to GSBI Italy. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah, here we go. And so that's, that's the secret to it. It's engagement, but it's all on you, the startup to reach out and do it and make it happen. Now we can't guarantee the investor is going to reply back to you because you got an A. All we can do is put you in connection. It's up to investors to be investors and follow through and do what they do. Um, but, it, but if you can come out and just connect up with investors instantly and know where you stand, adjust what you're doing, you should either be more successful or learn that maybe it's not for you <laughs> quicker. Yeah. Got it. Got it. It's great. I mean, allowing the um, the entrepreneur to drive the car, you know, a little bit more, I think is is great. And I, I think it, like you mentioned too, like you didn't, you know, the even the idea of not embarrassing yourself and giving a pitch and then leaving and being like, oh, you know, getting discouraged, right? It's like everyone has different criteria for what they're looking for. So just because, you know, that person that you filled out their questions, um, it wasn't a perfect match. You know, you can, you're on to the next one at that point. You don't have to, you know, get in the car and sulk about it and figure out, oh man, I, you know, I can't pitch anybody. Well, you're going to do that anyway. You know, rejection still a rejection. You know, you're still going to do that. It just For didn't, sure. you just didn't spend as much time doing it to get there. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It didn't take, you didn't have a month nope. to dwell on it. Um, exactly. You don't have to dwell while you're driving home. You know, the key thing to keep in mind is that reality 
most startups and entrepreneurs just aren't ready. That's the reality in many cases. Sure. They may be close, but there's you know what you call you know nicks in the armor. Some of them are sucking chest wounds, but you know others are you know. Um, and so there's just things that it's it's really hard to be ready. There's the personal aspect of what you're doing. So keep in mind in the investment world, in the angel investing world, pre-seed, there's a fair amount of gut feeling that goes on because there's no metrics to measure you yet, really. So they have metrics that says, oh, well, we only, if you got to this kind of money or you've done this or da, 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 depending how early you get, you have less and less metrics. So you're basing it on gut feeling kind of thing, but your payoff at the end is significantly higher. Now, when you work your way up to the VC level, there's no gut feeling. They've got the formula. One plus one equals three. Here's your check. Who do I make it out to? There you go. Boom. You're in. Go do your thing and give us our three. Yep. You know? Um, and so it's a different environment. So depending on that, wherever you're on that round. Now, the more you can look like the people at the right and be at the left, the better off you are because you look like a legitimately company. You understand what you're doing. You get it. You see the big picture. Um and that's really important because nobody knows if you have the right product or if you've been building the right product yet. We all think we do. Right. Or we wouldn't be here, right? No, yeah, exactly. So, you know, talk to me about the current state of that world, right? That angel investment world. Because, you know, you look around and, I mean, I work more in like the private equity space. So that's obviously more mature businesses where people are investing, yeah. you know, they're buying, doing M&A transactions of companies that already have, yeah. you know, recurring revenue or EBITDA. Um, but in that world's changed, you know, over the last year from where valuations were to where they are today, um, is, is, are you seeing similar changes, you know, valuation or similar, maybe, um, hesitancy, I guess, from the angel investor? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Anytime the market turns up south, there's hesitancy. So keep in mind, um, but they're different. So in the early stages, angel investors, don't, unless you're a Silicon Valley purely investor and this is what you do and live because you have PayPal and LinkedIn in your bank account and you really don't care, you couldn't spell out all your money if you had to, yep. you know, then that's different. But other invest angel investors have money spread out in a variety of various different places. Some of those are doing well, some of them are doing bad. So many of them, particularly prior to elections, upturns, uncertainty about the economy like we are now, many of the angel early investors are monitoring their, their stuff. Sure. You know, they're trying to see what's going on and see where they are, and they may make some adjustments to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the higher end, like you, they're doing the same thing, but what they're really trying to do is make sure that their portfolio they just funded, which is now going to go through potentially six to 12 months of downturn, that's definitely not in their projections. Right. right. How do you, how do you, how do they become not ghost companies for over the next 12 months and just be there to survive to get out of the, like COVID, COVID was a disaster for any startup. They just got funded in the transportation industry, hotel, you know, anyway. But anyway, so there's going to be some of that on your guys' end, and that's a different animal. You guys are still going to do what you do because the reality, in times like this, there's opportunity. Yes. So yeah. there's opportunity in times like this, and this is where you can make your biggest, uh, you know, things happen. So many investors that get that understand that they'll they'll move into a safer position if they're angel investors and they'll do their thing. I mean, everybody will move around that, but it won't go away. It'll go through a little bit of this. We set records in nine, all the way through to COVID. We set records. Will we set a record this year? Man, maybe not this year, but you can't keep setting. Just because you didn't set a record didn't mean you had a, didn't have a hell of a year. Right. I mean, we get locked on that. You know, it's kind of like, well, gee, well, you know, if you didn't win three Super Bowls in a re- year, you really never were any good. <laughs> right. Right. You know, you know, three in a row. You know, anyway, so, so anyway. 
So we get stuck on that. But I think the market will do okay. It may not set a record again this year. It may, who knows. Um, but you, but in this market, it always moves. It never stops. Yep. Yep. And so you just have to do what you're doing and figure out how to move it forward in the way that makes sense or the way you can get it to move forward. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. What I'm seeing stream allows flexibility. You can make relationships in there. You can to actually meet people and do things and go, Oh my God, you know, if you could do this for us, we could, you know, we could make do this and then it's a win win. And, and we do that with Scale Street. We do that even as, as a startup. Scale is a startup. Like I said, we just launched really in last June. We MVP was running around a year before that, but we really kind of launched what we have the, the idea in June. And and we work with people that do things behind the scenes for us. Mm-hmm. That says, hey man, I need to do this, da, da, da. and that's the idea of the ecosystems, working in ecosystems. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing um you know, it's one of those things where the the groups that take the you know, on both ends, right? The entrepreneurs who, you know, have the plenty of fish in the sea mentality and then the private equity funds, you know, that, that we're working with too. Um, they're, they're always, you know, they see so much opportunity, right? That they're, they're pretty quick to know whether or not something is a good fit or a bad fit in that world, at least. Um, but there, plenty of our clients are still very active in the market, looking to buy whatever they can, meaning that just because, there's a gap in valuations or just because, you know, sellers are, there's less, maybe there's less sellers today than there were um, a year or two ago. It, it doesn't stop anybody from, like you said, always moving forward, always being opportunistic, figuring out how to be more and more, you know, opportunistic as things change. Um, and and we're seeing it right now too. And then there's some groups that we'll talk to, you know, who might want to be clients and they're like, Hey, we're, we've kind of paused all, you know, investing, um, which I, <laughs> which I get. But it's like there's plenty more who are like, hey, we're we're as active as we've ever been. We bought you know more companies last year than we did any other year. Um, well, there's more investors stop, now than know? there's ever been. There's, yeah, there's never been this many investors in the world ever. They're not no. are they organized, not really, but they're out there. And so there's more than anybody can need, you know. Yep. And so the thing is, is you know, if you're doing what you're doing and allow the ones that want to do it, do it. They will always be there. Um, but but there's you know, it's it is a different time that we're going into. Things are just changing a little bit. What if the model was to change? Why does everything have to be a series A, then an A round, B round, C round? Why does it have to be alphabet game? What if it came in early investors did two, two convertible notes for let's say a million or less, um, got the company up and running and then got it acquired in three years. What if, if you take a look at what corporations are doing, the way corporations are funding companies and the way they're starting up, um, you know, SPACs and things like that, what if corporations just come in and like they do, and they're doubling every year. They did a hundred about 130 billion in funding in 2020, and and that was 57 billion in 2019. I don't know where they are right now. I haven't been looking that close. Right. But they're doubling. So as a corporation, why should I wait till a VC or venture capital gets a hold of the company, turns it into a billion dollar company? Now I got to buy it for 10 billion dollars when I can buy it when it's young. The core is already there. We see it. We got it. Let me buy it for 80 million dollars. Everybody there is absolutely happy. Then I just bring it back in as a corporate, polish it up, throw my ISO 2000, pick a number, you know, and boom, that product's ready for rock and roll in nine months, not with a bunch of yahoos trying to figure out how to really scale a billion dollar business with their seven guys that launched a great idea. Anyway, that's a different story for another time. But but I think that's where the market's going. I think if you look at companies like Yahoo, I mean, look at companies like Google, they buy a thousand companies, 900, 800 companies a year. It's unbelievable. I know. If, if Y Combinator is only going to fund 500 a year, well, hell, that doesn't even meet Google's demand. 
Yep. How do you meet? How do you meet the Fortune 1000 that each want to buy 500 companies a year? At 500,000, that's 500,000 companies. How do you get, how do you do that when you're only spitting out, you know, 500 companies a year out of an incubator? There's got to be a consumer model that allows that to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I believe that's where the future is going to go. The ability for the startups to drive that, make their thing happen, let corporates find them directly, run down the road, the incub- you know, the rest of the models will do its thing. Um, but this will be as legitimate as anything else for corporations. I mean, when I was running the R&D department, when I was with a defense contractor, shoot, my R&D budget a year was anywhere from anywhere from 13 to $25 million. Just play with stuff and see if it works. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean. You know, if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, well, crap, that's $13 million we're not getting back next year. Well, I better make it $20 million next year so we get it right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's the R&D world. You know, you never know what's coming out at the end, what's going to work, what's not going to work, you know. And so... You know, this way, if a corporate can come in and fund a couple companies for a half a million dollars, get the answer, get the guy that really doing it right, pay him another 150K to wrap it up, get it ready. And boom, now I buy him for 25 million. And these guys are out in two and a half, three years with 10 million in their pocket. I sounds like a win-win in that. Then go build your next idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, it's very insightful too. Uh, for those, you know, who are listening, who um, maybe don't see how that world's working right now, where, you know, myself included or where, um, where it's headed. But, you know, I didn't, I, I see, it's funny cause I see you have my, you have me thinking now, you know, I work on behalf of a lot of private equity funds. Those are my clients. Um, but we don't have many corporate buyers on the roster, not by design, just by, you know, maybe not being uh, quite aware of, you know, how, much that. Well, I, my experience is you're still going startup 1.0 and you're doing your, your, you're, you're, you're old. You're mature. Let's say that you're mature. There's new ways coming that just haven't been adopted by the, and it's hard for companies like you or particularly companies that have been around for a long time. Um, the big venture firms, you know, the folks that came out of the, you know, the, you know, the yep. PayPal mafia, you know, uh, Hoffman and Elon and Thiel, yep. yada, yada, all those guys that came out of there. It's hard to change business models. I work with them with the, uh, you know, and like I say, their 1.0 model will stick with them and they'll change and enhance a little bit and try to and mature. But it's radically different for them to go and make a complete different model change to, to a different way of doing things. The plug and plays and, the, and stuff, you know, they're the industry leaders. They're 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 the leaders of our industry, you know, the general motors of the, you know, the Fords of the car world. Well, the Y Combinators, 500 startups, you know, you can you can pick the, the top the top 10, you know, out of those industries. You know, they're the leaders, but because of that, they're also, they've also established the way it is and they do business what they do and they don't really, you know, they're going to be what they are. But the new generations coming around like now, so I look at, look at competition and modeling three is when you've got the incumbents, they've been doing it forever. Everybody knows them. They're the big guys in the world. Then you have the new kids on the block that probably took what the incumbents were doing and now they turned it into a SaaS model, SaaS 1.0, let's call it, yep. or an IoT device 1.0 out somewhere to network. Okay. Well, now we're going to SaaS 2.0 and IoT 2.0. Why? Because AI is coming. So that SaaS model that used to give me a lot of information and connect things, it can't just give me information and connect. It has to connect and actually take action. Do something. Add sprayer to my garden. Add something. It has to do something at the end. And that's where it's all going to change. And that's why everything that comes out with AI is going to be you know, 10 times better than what's out there today. Agreed. So now everything's moving into this 3.0. It's a different world. No code's coming. 
You know, I can I can watch my favorite YouTube on my phone while I'm no coding the next solution to launching a satellite while I'm, you know, gig gig economy, you know, answer questions, you know, whatever the case. I can be doing these things while I'm having dinner. Yep. You know, the whole world is coming, it's changing, and things are being done in a different manner. That's and and there's you know, and we're not gonna meet that that evolution without gazillions of good ideas getting out there and and the whole world contributing and working together to do so. It's beautiful. No, I mean, I think, you know, honestly, we have, we only had about 30 seconds left, unfortunately, but that was a great way to kind of wrap this up in the sense of, I loved how you just walked through the whole evolution, you know, the 1.0. I, I am still probably in 1.0. Got to figure out, you know, how to keep, continue to level up and continue to look, like you said, forwards into the future, figure out where the puck's going. 